folks will give me five minutes. Five minutes, five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. No, I'm just kidding. I saw lots of hands. If you'll give me seriously about 20 minutes this morning, I got a word from the Lord to share with you. Book of Acts chapter four, we'll be reading from the New Living Translation. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in two, the two disciples, and they demanded, By what power, Darla talked about power a minute ago, or in whose name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. The man that, watch this, you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in nobody else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So the members of the council were amazed. Can I tell you this world's amazed when God does something? When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Can I also tell you this world can tell when you've been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, we saw 11 today that's been raised from death back to life. There was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What are we going to do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them, this is what the devil would like to do, from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot. Somebody say, we cannot. Somebody say, we will not. We cannot and we will not stop telling about everything that we've seen and heard. I want to tell you this morning, I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot. I've seen God do a lot. Anybody else seen God do a lot? I've heard a lot about what God's done. And there's no devil in hell that can make us stop telling about the goodness of God. Can I get a witness this morning? One more time. Pray with me and for me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these beautiful people that are assembled together here today to worship you. Father, I thank you for the 11 candidates that we've celebrated today that have followed you in water baptism. But now, Father, as we come before you, we ask you for a couple things. First of all, Lord, that you would anoint these lips of clay that they would speak your words. 
not with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but let your word come forth in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. Secondly, I ask God that you'd anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what it is you'd want to speak to us today. For the next few moments, remove every hindrance that would come against us, that would prohibit your word, Lord, from being received and heard today. We ask you to do it, touch hearts, and change lives as only you can. God, we can't do anything, but we're witnessing, we're seeing you do it in the lives of others. I thank you for the two that rededicated their life to Jesus at 845. And now, God, we ask right now, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that needs to accept you or renew their walk with you today or be filled with your Holy Spirit, we ask you to do it, Jesus, today. Do it, Lord, today in the name of Jesus. And we'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise as you're seated today. I want to ask you just a few questions first of all. Yeah, I don't want you to answer out loud. As a matter of fact, please don't answer out loud. But I just want you to think about these. What kind of week have you had? Did every day this week go as planned? I know mine didn't. Were there good days and not so good days? Or maybe your week was full of bad days and worse days. What happened to you this week that you could have easily done without? I bet most of you thought of something right then, right? What happened to you this week? Maybe you had a wonderful week. What happened to you this week that you wish could happen every day? Did anything happen that made a real difference in your life? And one final question. Did you make a difference in anybody else's life? Whatever your answer is to these questions, there's a lot that could be said about your prayer life or lack thereof. Uh Uh-huh. And how that influenced the outcome. Can I tell you that a lack of a prayer life will influence the outcome? Yesterday, there, were, there was something that happened, and I, I tried to sit down on the couch. I had been studying, and then something happened, and I, I was called away, and then I come back, and I sat down, and my mind was in a hundred million places, and my emotions were in a hundred million places, and, and I just had to take a moment and pray. Anybody ever had to take a moment? Some of y'all need to take a moment. Because when you pray and talk to Jesus, we underestimate the power of prayer. The Bible says that we can bring into into captivity, into obedience, every thought to obedience to Christ. Every thought. And I took a moment and I prayed. Yeah, if somebody could help us with the air, we'd appreciate it. It's a little warm. Anybody else warm? I see people fanning. Yeah, I thought I was the only one and it's because I was fat. But anyway, it's not just me this morning. But our prayer life makes a difference. And listen, folks, we don't pray just to fulfill a religious duty. You know why we pray? Because prayer is our only source of us communicating with God. And then God gives us his word to communicate with us. Yes, sometimes he speaks to you in prayer, absolutely. Sometimes he speaks to you audibly. I believe in a a prophetic word. I believe in those things. But your main communication with God is through your prayer life. And God's main communication with you is through this book. And if you only talk to your spouse every time you needed or wanted something, let me know how that works for you. How do you think God feels when the only time we call on him is when we need him to do something, get us out of a mess? Your prayer life makes a difference. Our prayer life is not a wish list for our wants, but listen, it's a want list for God's will for our lives. Prayer makes the difference. And today I want to ask you a question, are you willing to make a difference. Very quickly, I want to consider just two days in the life of Peter and John. A couple of days that 
really made a difference in their lives and the lives of others. The first day was a typical Sabbath day for the disciples, as typical as it got for them. I'm sure the Sabbath began like many other Sabbaths. Peter was lying in bed, and, and the early morning sun was creeping across the floor of his room, and somewhere outside, this rooster crows, and Peter cracks one eye open just to make sure that it's daylight outside and make sure it's actually morning. And I believe that Peter still has a bit of an issue every time he hears the sound of a rooster. I believe he gets a flashback. Although God had already forgiven him, he still regrets that night when he denied the Lord Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And if you'll remember in the story, the Bible tells us that Jesus even prayed for Peter. But yet Peter still chose to deny him. Can I tell you this morning that we are all, say all, everybody. That means everybody is a free moral agent. Can I tell you something else? Every single, I'm about to burst some Pentecostal self-righteous bubbles this morning. Every single one of us in this room have issues. Anybody in the room not have any issues? Everybody in this room has issues that without God, we'd never make it through. We'd never make it past. We'd never make it over. But is anybody glad this morning that even just like Peter, even though we may have failed him and fallen short of his glory time after time after time, if we'll surrender ourselves to him, he'll still use us for his glory. The temple in Jerusalem, if some of our volunteers and staff think it's bad around here, they had three services, 9 a.m., 3 p.m., and sunset. And I don't know if Peter rolled over and he went back to sleep or he decided like some of y'all do sometimes and sleep in this morning or what he did or if he just jumped out of bed and he started his day right then. But in Acts chapter 3, one chapter prior, we learned that in the afternoon, he and John were on their way to the temple. There was this traditional gathering going on at the temple where they were going to study Old Testament scripture and the motivation at these gatherings was to gain good standing with God and with others because of their knowledge. See, this was a works-based type mindset in ministry and I don't want you to miss this. The, those people thought that good deeds is what would make them be more favored by God. Fear was the motivation. Can I tell you something this morning? I'm thankful for God's grace and mercy. But I'm thankful we don't serve a God that's sitting on a throne with a long list of don'ts waiting on you and I to mess up so he can cut us off. Can I get a witness? There's, there are religions that teach that. Can I tell you, your salvation is not based on anything that you will ever do. Your salvation is based on nothing more than the blood of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of your sins. Holiness is not what you wear on the outside of your body. Hello. Holiness is a condition of your heart. And what we find next is Peter and John are walking up and there's this lame man laying outside the gate and he's begging, he's asking for money. He'd been looked over day after day after day. How many times do you and I look over people in our rush on the way to church? In our rush on the way to do something good in the name of the kingdom? This man had laid there day after day, and people just walked right by him on their way into the church house. Peter looks at him, and he says, look at us. The guy's begging for money. He says, look at us. He says, silver and gold, I don't have any of that. But what I do have, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, ride up, rise up and walk. And the Bible said that Peter stretches out his hand, and he helps the man up. And the man's ankles and feet become, become strong. The Bible says he starts jumping, he starts leaping, and he starts running around and praising God. And everybody else in the temple that was there to, you know, impress other people, mm -hmm, that's a whole nother sermon. 
Sometimes people go to church to impress other people. Can I tell you something? I love everybody. I said everybody just a second ago, so I'll say it like that again. Everybody in this room, I love you. But there's not a single one of you ever impressed me. I hope you're not impressed by me. The only thing that should impress you is Jesus and what he can do in your life. And those people saw what was happening and they were surprised. They were trying to impress other people. But then all of a sudden, there's just Peter and John. This man gets healed. He jumps up and starts praising God. And, and then Peter, in all of his boldness, he opens his mouth and he says, why are you surprised? He explains to them, this man was healed in the name of Jesus. He explained to them who Jesus was and why the people needed to repent of their sins and turn to Jesus. Then the day gets even more interesting. That message was not well received by that stuffy, elite religious group. The message of salvation in Christ alone and in faith alone and in grace alone contradicted the very message of what was being shared in the temple. Can I tell you today that I'm thankful that I experienced Pentecost when I did. I'll never discount my experience with Pentecost, but can I tell you, I'm also thankful that I've learned a few things since then. I'm thankful that my walk with the Lord is not dependent on how good I can be in myself. Can I get a witness? I'm thankful that my walk with the Lord is dependent upon how dependent I am on Him, His grace and His mercy. And a lot of times that, that message is not well received. When you say salvation is through Christ alone, faith alone, and grace alone, that contradicts what they were teaching in the temple. And what an amazing couple of days they had. And here's Peter filled with the Holy Spirit speaking words of truth and life. And the people were responding, not just one or two or a handful, but many of people were responding. See, it hadn't been that long since Pentecost. Yet there were around 5,000 men and women, and not counting men, I mean, not counting women and children, there were over 5,000 men who had came to trust in Jesus. And here's what I want to focus on right here, Peter's response. He said, Jesus Christ, there is salvation in nobody else. God has given no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved, and we cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. It was very clear from Peter's response that he knew what his source of power was. Jesus, that's it. He's it. You're not going to find salvation in anything else. What a loaded statement. Salvation is not in religion. Salvation is not in tradition. Salvation is not in human performance. Hello. But instead, it is a gift bestowed upon us by God, by a God who desires to have, here's the key, a personal relationship with you. That's the key. Peter and John were people that had been transformed by the Holy Spirit. They were just ordinary fishermen. Nothing special about them. And Jesus called them to follow him and follow him they did. They were ordinary people. People with problems and people with issues. But God used them to make a difference in the lives of other people. God used them to share the truth of Jesus with others. And after Pentecost... They were filled with the Spirit. That's another message for another day. But anybody in the house this morning glad that you know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Thank you. Listen, if you've just, just been saved and baptized, and we celebrate that with you, but let, don't ever forget there's more. I said there's more where that came from. And they spoke with boldness. God gave them a deeper understanding of the truth. They believed what they were saying. They spoke with a passion about Jesus. There's nothing worse than going to quote-unquote church somewhere 
and hearing a man or a woman get behind the podium and talk about God in a monotone voice, acting like they're about to die, and everybody listening is about to die, waiting on it to be over. Listen, I don't care who you are. If you get the opportunity to open your mouth, you ought to share with passion and excitement and thankfulness for what God has done in your life. They would use their time to make a difference in other people's lives. Can I tell you that we should be using our time to make a difference also. Now, I know what you're thinking today. He's not talking to me. No, wait a minute. He can't be talking to me. I, I'm, not, I'm not skilled. I can't sing. I can't preach. I don't know what to say. It's, it's not my job. That's for the ministers and the church staff to do. But folks, let me tell you something. God expects all, say all, all of us, all of his children to share the truth about him. God expects all of his people to open their mouths and tell others what Jesus really means to them. And that's the reason we're celebrating these candidates today. They're going public with their faith and their walk with Jesus. It's a testimony. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward work is what it is. It's a testimony of what God has done in your life. God expects us to share the truth of the gospel. Say truth with people we meet, with the people that we love, with the people that, that need to be saved. And the Holy Spirit will help you to make a difference when you allow Him to operate through you. He just needs a vessel. Every week, God gives us an opportunity. Every day, you and I are given an opportunity to make a difference. 24 hours to make a difference. 1,440 minutes to make a difference. Or 86,400 seconds a day to make a difference in somebody's life. There's an interesting notation in this passage that serves as a reminder to us that not only should our message be very clear that it's all about Jesus, listen, our lives should match it. Our walk must match our talk. We can do more harm than good to the kingdom of God when we talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. It does matter how you live. Now it's about to get quiet up in this Presbyterian church. Peter and John were being challenged not because of their message, but also because of the way that they delivered it, and they delivered it in the power of the Spirit. They found themselves at a crossroads, but they didn't forget the cross. It was the cross where the love of Jesus had arrested their hearts. See, Peter had denied Jesus before. That's where some of you may be. But he had made the decision he would never make that same mistake again. And Peter, after they told him, you can't speak or teach in the name of Jesus anymore, he rises up filled with power, and he says, Jesus Christ, there's nobody else. You're not going to stop me from talking about him. You're not going to stop me from telling what he's done in my life. You're not going to stop me from sharing with people who are addicted that Jesus can set you free from that. You're not going to stop me from sharing with people that are living in sin that Jesus can set you free from that. You're not going to stop me from sharing with people that God can save you. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. You can't go too far. You can't sin too much. You can't get too far astray that the grace and the mercy of God God cannot restore you. They couldn't stop telling people about Jesus. I want to ask you, how much time do you spend telling others about him? How much time did you spend last week? How much time did you spare to tell people that Jesus loves them, he died for them, and if they place their trust in him, they'll be forgiven? How many? Shall I tell you how many? 
Somebody said it in the 845 service. The answer is real simple. In fact, it's the same for every one of us. How many? Not enough. Thank you, Brad. Somebody said it in this service too. Not enough. Not enough time spending telling others about Jesus. What about people that we say that we love? Why is it sometimes some of the people that it's the hardest for you to get real with about God are the people that you love? We say we love them. But folks, here's the reality. We are not promised tomorrow. They are not promised tomorrow. Every second, some soul slips into eternity. But yet, and that eternity is either going to be with God or it's going to be an eternity without God. Every second of every day, we have an opportunity to make a difference, an opportunity to share the love of God, an opportunity to speak words of truth. Say truth. Truth and life. Every second of every day. And yet there's people who say they love the Lord. They say they, Jesus is their Savior, but second after second, minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year, they'll never speak to those that they say they love about Jesus and trying to lead them to the Lord. They never say a word. You know why? Here's why. I'm not going to be much longer. Here's why. They're afraid they're going to upset or offend somebody. That's the problem with, I don't know what the percentage would be, but a high percentage of churches in America today. Are you with me? Afraid they'll offend somebody by what they say. You hear me and you hear me well. This preacher does love you, but I'd rather offend you than to make you think you're okay only to lift up your eyes in hell. The Holy Spirit will give you a boldness to do that. People are afraid they'll offend somebody. Too afraid uh, that somebody that, that, that thinks they're, uh, here's another one, stupid or naive enough to believe that what the Bible says is actually true. Right? Here, I get in trouble when I add to it, so I'm not going to add to it this morning. Let me just read you a passage of Scripture. Because we have churches all over the world today where people are taking pulpits and they act like because you came, because you patty caked, because you put something in the plate or scanned the QR code or dropped it in the receptacle or swiped a card in the lobby and because you were here and bought a coffee, got a patty cake on and left that you're on your way to heaven. Letting you believe that's the way it works. So I'm not going to add to this, just let me read it. I will give a couple definitions, I'm just going to leave it there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Now I'm going to give you some good news. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not, say not, not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Listen, I don't know what you've heard on TikTok and social media lately, but do not I don't care what, let me say it this way, what worship artist or what big name preacher is out there saying it's okay. Are you with me? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators. Definition. Fornication 101. That's when you have sex with somebody outside of marriage. You mean to tell me that's wrong? I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you the Bible says that. Neither fornicators nor idolaters. Now, I'll lose. I wish this one was at the end because here's where I'll lose people that kind of love me but re get really mad with me when I say this probably. Idolaters. Here's the definition. Anything, anything you put before God is an idol. 
anything. Whether it's a boat and a lake, whether it's, and here's where I really get in trouble. Just remember I love you. If it's a basketball, a football, any kind of ball, a sport of any kind, a person, a job. Now, if you have to work on Sunday, that's a totally different story. But if you're choosing when you could not work on Sunday to be out there working just so you can make an extra dollar, can I get a witness? If you're putting it before your relationship with the Lord, anything you put before God becomes an idol. Nor adulterers. Adultery 101 is having sex when you're married with somebody you're not married to. Surely to goodness I won't get any on that one. Nor homosexuals. I didn't write the word. You know what that one means. Nor sodomites. Nor thieves. Nor covetous. Nor drunkards. I lose people on this one too. Pastor, what's your stance? Well, here's all I'll say. How many beers, Pastor, do I have to have to be considered a drunkard? I got one question for you. How many men do I have to kiss for you to say I'm a homosexual? Don't get mad at me. I just ask a simple question. Some of y'all really like that too well, I guess. I don't know. You're helping me preach. I just don't want to know who you're helping me preach on. But anyway... Nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But listen, I want to give you the good news. Here's the good news. I can shout when I say this. And such were some of you. But you've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Is anybody thankful for the mercy and the grace of God this morning? Hallelujah. But we got to speak the truth. They can go ahead and come to the music this morning. Peter never got over the grace and mercy that Jesus showed him. Never. I feel like Peter this morning. I just can't stop telling about what I've seen and heard. I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot. I've lost count. I've got it down somewhere, but to tell you right now, I've lost count of the number of people that have accepted Jesus or rededicated their lives to Him just since January 1 in this church. I know there's been over 15 that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I don't even know how many we baptized this year. This is, not the, this is not just the second baptism we've had. It's the second one we had this month, and we baptized 27 this month. I'm scared to death that I'm going to do something to mess it up. I don't want to get in God's way. But let me tell you something this morning. We can never be satisfied with where we are. Thank God for what He's done. But that does not negate the fact. Where's Dennis Cooper? He was here at 845. Is he already gone? He probably is. He's probably doing it right now. It does not negate the fact that Dennis Cooper canvassed this area in just a couple streets over and around this church last Sunday morning at 11 a.m. I believe it was last Sunday 
was last Sunday because Easter was two Sundays ago. At 11 a.m., he said, Pastor, there were cars home everywhere. Knocked on doors, people at home everywhere. Listen, folks, I thank God for what he's done. But God help us that we don't get satisfied and sit here with everybody two streets over not having a relationship with Jesus. Because if you have a relationship with Jesus, this is not a kicker for you because you're here. Maybe it's for some of y'all on live stream, but if you have a relationship with Jesus, you ought to be in the house of God worshiping Him on Sunday morning. Because our relationship with Jesus should change us. It should transform us. That's what the Word says. I don't know about all this stuff that says you can get saved and you're still the same way you was. You've just been washed in the blood and the blood was free, but you can go on and continue doing everything that you've been doing. That's not the way it's supposed to work. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Is there anybody in the house this morning that will testify that God transformed your life? Anybody? Anybody? We live in a world that is anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-Jesus, and anti-Bible. But if we'll determine that we're going to make a difference. And you don't have to cram religion down somebody's throat. Matter of fact, that don't work. Please don't do it in the name of Freedom Point Church. But when you, here's the kicker. You know the way to do that? When you leave the church, try being the church. I'm going to open this altar in just a minute. But listen, folks, God has called us. I know some people say, well, Pastor, you touch on some things today that I don't, people just don't talk about anymore. Listen to me. God has not called us to be politically correct. God called us to be biblically correct. I didn't write the book, but I'm not going to try to change what it says. I'm going to preach the good message of the gospel and the life-changing power of Jesus until I die. God's called you, if you're a believer, to speak truth and life. God's not called you to live in isolation. God never said that his church should, be, should build itself a little spiritual cocoon and hide away. And listen, once you get saved, I got news for you. We're not supposed to have a witness protection program. You're supposed to tell everybody what Jesus has done in your life. If you'll stand with me all over the room today. Nowhere in God's Word does it tell us we're supposed to get in a little comfort zone and get in a corner somewhere and be quiet. That's intimidation. And can I tell you, I'm sick and tired of the devil and the world trying to intimidate the church. Trying to make us believe that we need to sit down and shut up. And the quieter we get, the louder they get. The less people we influence, the more people they influence. And then guess what? The blood's on our hands because God gave us a mouth to speak and words for them to hear of the truth of the gospel. But you've got to be willing to let the Holy Spirit transform you. Let me close with this verse today. We're going to open this altar. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. 
This was Jesus himself speaking. He said, Darla didn't know what I was going to preach on today, but she talked about power. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. Listen, every head bowed and every eye closed in this room today. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that if I go out into eternity today, I am ready to meet the Lord. Would you just put your hands up all over this room? All over this room. I know that I'm ready to meet the Lord if I go out into eternity today. Would you just lift your hands? I see them all over this room. Now, if you'll just continue, every head bowed and every eye closed, thank you, you can put your hands down. I want to talk to those of you that maybe for whatever reason did not lift your hand today. I want to tell you, in your own strength, you can never be different. In your own power, you can never be transformed. And you may say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know about my addiction. I want to tell you something this morning. And you hear me when I say this. Salvation is instantaneous. You ask Jesus into your heart, ask Him to forgive you of your sin, and ask Him to become the Lord of your life, you will be saved instantly, that quick. That's what the Word says. But sanctification is a process. And stop thinking about what maybe the church as we know it has made you feel over the years or over the, this past period of time. That you don't have it all together. You've got to stop doing this or stop doing that. No. You give your heart and your life to Jesus today. And he'll walk you through that process of sanctification. I promise you he will. But I also promise you there's a room full of people here just a minute ago that raised their hands. They will testify to you today that Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. But you have to make that decision. There was two rededicated their life to the Lord in the first service. How many of you today need to come to this altar and maybe receive Him for the first time or maybe rededicate your life to Him? In just a few minutes, there's going to be a bunch of others that will join you in the altar because everybody can look at me now. This is what I want to leave you with today. I want you to pray about the opportunities that God will give you this week to just share the love of Jesus with somebody. I promise you, if you'll pray about it and ask Him, God will give you opportunities this week. Next Sunday morning is one of the best opportunities that you'll ever have to bring lost people in to hear an evangelistic testimony about how Jesus can change your life. Pray about that this week and ask God. How many of you have lost family you want to see saved? Put those hands up real high. If you'll come to this altar today and say, God, Help me be a difference maker. Help me be a difference maker. I promise you, the Lord will. God wants to do things through you. He wants to use you to be a difference maker. The question is, are you willing to make a difference?